And welcome to another edition of Sanctified Reason. Sanctified Reason is a podcast where Dan Delzell and myself, Son Edom, sit at the crossroads of faith and pop culture and discuss the issues that go on in this world. And they usually have to do with influencers that are influencing society, whether it be politicians, whether it be celebrities, musicians, I mean, pretty much anybody, really. It could be the dude down the street if he's newsworthy. But we um, want to take a look at these things, but look at them through a biblical perspective. Perspective. And Dan, recently there's been the coronation of the new king in England. Prior to that, people were celebrating the life of the Queen Elizabeth, who passed away. We had talked before about the faith, the Christian faith that Queen Elizabeth enjoyed and how she lived her life. And when you take a look at what she has done, and now King Charles and then his boys. It seems like there's a generational loss each time with the faith that maybe the queen had and practiced. Uh, for example, the the latest, you know, we all know about Harry and Meghan. Uh, you know, Meghan Markle married uh, Prince Harry. I think they're the are they the Duke and Duchess or are they the Dutch and Duchess? But uh, but they've got some title from Sussex. And so the other night they claimed that they had a two hour near catastrophic ride or chase by paparazzi through New York City, kind of a la what, you know, Prince Diana went through. And mm-hmm. immediately it hit, the, it hit the news. And then all of a sudden now it's starting to get debunked. You know, the taxi cab driver that was involved debunked the story. Um, obviously the police commission. Um, there's other people. Um, you know, the, the former, um, I guess, bodyguard of Princess Diana has come out. Uh, according to news headlines. And so there's just, you know, this craziness surrounding these two people that are the, well, he is the grandson of the queen. Now, when you look at it, you can probably assume that Meghan Markle is the ringleader of this whole thing. But then you also take a look at, you know, Kate and Prince William. Now, Kate, kind of like Meghan, was adopted into the royal family through marriage. And she has adopted more of what the queen would probably approve as her lifestyle. But more importantly, what's driving them is something other than the faith that the queen had. And I know it's an individual decision. It's an individual choice. But it seems like each generation that moves down the line, it gets further and further away from the foundational beliefs of, like, in this case, you know, the matriarch. And I just thought maybe we could just kind of start on that and see, is there is there something that's driving this kind of removal from the faith that the next generation and the following generation is experiencing? Or is it really just come down to the people we're associated with, like in this case, maybe Meghan Markle or versus, you know, Kate Middleton? Or is it something else that's involved? I thought we could just maybe start with that and jump off of there. Oh, you bet, son. That's a great topic. And uh, I have several thoughts right off the bat here as, as you're sharing that. You know, I certainly think about um, a lot that's been said in recent months and years about the younger generation today. And, and it just seems that there are uh, more and more young people that are showing little to no interest in, in matters of faith and religion and spiritual issues and specifically Christianity. So you, you do have that going on. I mean, uh, now, you know, there are pockets of revival as well. And, and we've seen that recently. And there are some campuses where 
there there have been some exciting uh, examples of of revival where there's just like this outpouring of the Holy Spirit and a deep hunger for the things of God. And certainly in our culture today, that's really what is needed and really is going to be the only thing that's going to kind of, uh, you know, pull us back from the edge, uh, going over into the abyss, which uh, our culture seems to be just uh, determined to do. And when we say our culture, I mean, you know, what what we're really saying is um, it's being driven largely by uh, the influencers of, of the media and many in the educational establishment, uh, various politicians, um, you know, you, you, you've got, uh, especially in the media and in the entertainment industry, you've got a lot of people that are, are, are driving, uh, that, that, that whole thing, uh, which is very interesting. And then, uh, and I was just mentioning to you before we went on the air here that, uh, you know, I just had heard an interview with, uh, Rain Wilson who played, uh, Dwight Schrute on the office and he came out with a book on spirituality. Uh, so that you, you would think that's moving in the direction that we need. Um, the interesting thing though, is he pretty much just lumps all religion together and doesn't really seem to tackle the, the, the tough questions, um, that you have to look at if you're going to take Christianity seriously and even these other religions seriously. I mean, they're, they're not compatible with each other. So, uh, I mean, I, I would say more people than, than, uh, there are a lot more people I think than, than, uh, Rain Wilson, a lot more people who are disinterested. He seems very interested. And I appreciated his interview with, uh, Russell Moore. Uh, it was very revealing. Um, and, uh, you know, I was hoping, Son, one thing they would touch on was, and I'll get to the Prince Harry thing in a minute, uh, but I was hoping what they would touch on was I was real, I'd be curious to hear his thoughts on the caricature, um, there on uh, on 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 the program, you know the the one character who is supposedly, you know the kind of the Christian, but but she's the biggest hypocrite of the whole group, um, and everything from you know sleeping around to everything else. Uh, but they they intentionally portray her as a hypocrite and as a judgmental person. Now, are there some people out there like that? Sure, there are professing Christians. Who, who are hypocritical. Um, the Bible never uses the word hypocrite for a Christian. So, um, you know, there was really nothing that she demonstrates on the show uh, that uh, would really be in line with Jesus's teaching, but they, but they, they associate her with Christianity. So to me, it just seemed like a very direct attempt by the, the writers of the show to try to really, uh, uh, you know, put down Christianity as just a sham. It's just a bunch of hypocrites. Uh, and, and, you know, maybe the writer, writers of the show, maybe that was their experience. Maybe all they had known were, were, were people who were hypocrites. But again, I would stress, um, nowhere in the New Testament is a hypocrite a Christian. That word is never used. Now, are there times that we as Christians mess up? Sure. Are there times that, that we behave inconsistently with, with um, how we should live? Sure. But, but, that's, but, but her whole life, um, her whole life in the show, uh, is is one of hypocrisy, judgmentalism, uh, looking down constantly on people. So, uh, and, I, and I go into all that, Son, just to say that, you know, uh, and not that we should expect that they would, but um, the entertainment industry, the media, they don't do Christianity any favor, uh, any favors by by the caricatures that they like to, to make. Um, because they, you know, uh, as, as Rain Wilson said when he was commenting on, uh, 
on uh, something there in the interview. He said, hey, everybody likes the, uh, a good hypocrite or something like that. I mean, in, in other words, in, in shows and things like that. Well, anyway, um, I think that that's a factor. You know, some people, they, they don't understand who Jesus is. They don't understand that there are millions of genuine, humble, loving Christians. In fact, Rain Wilson even mentioned uh, that he has a lot of Christian friends and, and they serve others. And I mean, so there were some good things there. But um, going back, though, now to... Uh, you know, uh, the royal family and so forth. I watched a short video here in the last few days of Charles's life, um, who now, of course, is the king. But it was just quite fascinating because, I mean, from the day he was born, um, he had cameras shoved in his face. I mean, that's all he's ever known. So, you know, you and I, I mean, 99.9% of people, we can't even fathom what it would be like to go our whole life where you can't even go outside without. Uh, you know, photographers being there, which obviously ties into this story that you led with their son, with uh, Harry and Meghan and, and the car chase. But I guess, um, you, you know, they're they're so used to it, I guess. But but maybe they maybe they're not used to it. Um, you know, I, it reminds me of the of the movie uh, The Truman Show, uh, where Jim Carrey was like living in this big bubble. And, and it was all about him and everybody was watching him on TV. And, and then they pretended that they weren't, but they all were watching him. It's quite an entertaining movie. Um, and in some ways, I would say that there are many in our culture, and probably many young people, especially with the social media influence and, and Instagram and, you know, everything about yourself can go up there and every photo of everything you've done in the last, you know, four minutes um, can, can go up there. And, I can see where there'd be some people who would have like a Truman show complex and, and they would start to think even, I mean, people who aren't famous other than just maybe having a lot of followers on social media or whatever, uh, you know, I could see where there could be some people who could just kind of start living in this bubble. Like it's all about me. Um, and, and even though Jim Carrey didn't realize for the first part and, you know, well into the show, he didn't realize, uh, that everybody was watching him. Once he found out, it really, you know, really creeped him out. And I suppose Harry and Meghan are, you know, very, very creeped out by being chased around by the paparazzi. But that's kind of the, the price of fame, I guess. Um, there are a lot worse things a person can, can uh, you know, go through. And uh, rather than, you know, whatever, I, I haven't even read about, uh, you know, the chase or whatever. But, you know, rather than running away, maybe you just walk, you know, uh, to some place where, uh, you, you know, you can just go in and not, not let others in. But, I mean, I don't know. Is it just making a big to-do of nothing? Is it just... Is it kind of feeding maybe what, you know, do, do they have a desire to, to always be in the news or make it about them? I don't know, but you could understand where somebody maybe in Harry's shoes might feel that way. Cause that's all he's ever known. Everything has been about him. It's been a real life Truman show for the Royal family. And like I say, cameras shoved in their face everywhere they go. And again, I'm not saying that, you know, that's good or bad or that justifies anything they do. I, it's just kind of their world, their reality. Um, and, uh, you know, we live in a, in a celebrity driven culture where I think so many people kind of resonate with some of these characters. I mean, it was interesting. Rain Wilson even said in the interview, he says, I'll have people just come up to me all the time and say, Oh, I love you so much. And maybe because, you know, as human beings, we can get very drawn into the character and, and, you know, some people who don't know where to draw a line, I mean, they, they can even start to fantasize about maybe, Oh, well, you know, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to start dating this person or whatever, you know, but uh, these people who are in the limelight, 
they do get a lot of uh, attention, much of it unwanted, uh, I suppose. Uh, but a lot of it, you know, they want. I mean, they want the they want the movie sales, they want the book sales, they want, um, I suppose, the attention. Although you do hear a lot of them really kind of complain about what a pain that is, and I would think it would have to be. Uh, I mean, just think, son. I mean, if you can't even walk out here, you can't go somewhere, you can't take a day off, you can't go on a vacation, you can't, you know, you can't do anything without having people hiding behind a tree or behind a car, or maybe not even hiding, you know, just rushing up, almost knocking you over. So it's quite the spectacle. And of course, as you mentioned, I mean, the paparazzi, that's what led to Princess Diana's death, uh, you know, trying to run away from them. But, you know, as we get into the podcast here some more today, I mean, maybe that kind of serves as a good metaphor um, for us as Christians in the sense that, you know, we're not being chased around by photographers, but but we do have other pressures that we face. And if we're not careful, they can drive us to start, you know, racing around to a point that's, that's harmful uh, in our life. And, and, and so um, rather than getting driven, uh, you know, because the flesh drives us, our sinful nature drives us, the Holy Spirit is, is, is a calm influence. Um, that's where I say if, if Harry and Megan had just kind of maybe somehow tried to walk away or whatever, I mean, I go, that's easy for me to say, but um, I don't know. Maybe that'll be a good metaphor we can look at. But those, that probably gives us a few thoughts, too, in addition to, to, the, to those things you shared, Son, that kind of gets us into the topic a little bit. Well, the, the other thing that came to mind was our identity, our identity in Christ as Christians versus our identity in the world. I mean, you think back to... Um, someone like a Jesse Smollett. He was the guy that kind of, in the end, it turned out he framed himself and created this thing, a hate crime, where people tried to hang him in Chicago in an effort to try to become more popular so that he could get better roles or more pay or something in Hollywood. And it turned out he hired two of his buddies who are also black. Jesse Smollett is black, so everybody involved was black. And the media and everybody ran with it, and it became this hate crime and all it was was an attention-seeking thing to try to bolster his career. And then you had somebody like Bubba Wallace, NASCAR driver. You know, he rolls into this NASCAR uh, garage, and he sees this little noose thing, which actually turned out to be the drawstring for the, the door that closes. And it was a noose thing, and so it was a hate crime. The FBI gets involved in all this. But the point is, when you look at all of these things, and of course, Megan, you know, during the interview with Oprah, I think was accusing the royal family of racism and, and being bullied and stuff like this. It's almost like a woe is me, look at me mentality because their identity is not found in Christ, but their identity is found in the things of this world. And they need to do or come up with anything they possibly can. And sometimes it gets wacky and nutty if they feel like they're not getting that attention that they are craving because it's the lust of self that they're actually trying to satisfy, which is impossible to satisfy. Yeah, I think that hits it on the head there, Son. And you use the word there, self, you know, the love of self. Um, the culture preaches a gospel, but it's not the New Testament gospel of, of Jesus. It's the gospel uh, of self-esteem. Everything is about self. And everything is about trying to prop up self. And this is one reason why we live in a culture where there are certain types of behavior that even though they're very destructive, you know, for, for, for example, um, giving into your uh, gender dysphoria, giving into your uh, feelings that, um, uh, you know, you, you're, 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 not, you're, you're not in the right body. So rather than getting counseling for that, um, you know, those who give into that, 
um, sometimes do so because they're told that you're going to, you know, you're so special that, um, you know, that's the way, that's the way you're supposed to live. And, and even if it means having um, very destructive surgery to your body, you know, pumping your body full of, um, hormone suppressing drugs and then moving on to surgery as, as I, I shared on the podcast here recently, son, where somebody walked into my, my daughter's uh, place of work here um, a couple of months ago and, and was just boasting about her friend. She said they just had her top chopped off. And, and, you know, this is not a science fiction movie, a horror movie. This is America today. Um, you know, kids are being indoctrinated and brainwashed um, about, about gender. Uh, that that their um, the, the gender is, is not fixed at, at at birth, but it's fluid, and and it's something that um, that that you can kind of um, alter, uh, you know. And if mentally, if if you uh, feel like you're a different gender, then then um, you know you're told, hey, go for it, and you're made to feel important on social media. So, so this feeds the self-esteem issue that that many people have. And here's the thing, son: when a person becomes a Christian, the Bible says self is crucified. Now, what does that mean? Well, that means that now our life is so taken up with Christ, it is so hidden, as it were, with Christ that Paul could could write, "It is no longer I who live." but Christ who lives in me. And, and right before that, Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. So what did he mean? Um, well, that, that pursuit of self-esteem, or in Paul's case, he had all sorts of uh, sinful things he was pursuing. He was, he was going after Christians, hauling them off to prison. He was there cheering on when they were put to death. He was there when the first Christian martyr, Stephen, was stoned to death. I mean, Paul had all sorts of issues, but one of his issues was a very, very, uh, overinflated uh, self-esteem. Um, you know, he, he was he was you know he was very gifted. He was very intelligent. Uh, he was you know one of the most brilliant Jews of his day. But he was filled with pride, and uh, and he knew nothing of Christ prior to his conversion. So I I think when you say self son, you're you're hitting it right on the head. Um, that that is where man gravitates. Now, you know, think back in the day, son, before we had social media, before, you know, you could post your, uh, your photos on Facebook and, and Instagram and, and get all these likes and, and, and feel so good about yourself. Um, you know, before that, there wasn't uh, the same opportunity to, um, to have as many people applaud you. Um, you know, now with social media, um, all you have to have is, is something that people like, or in the case of, uh, like transgender issues and that sort of a thing, LGBTQ, uh, you know, issues, all you have to have is, is you have to come out and, and at least express that you're kind of flirting with the idea of something along LGBTQ and you will be praised up one side and down the other by those who want to try to turn people in that direction. I, when I say turn, what I mean is um, just because a person's starting to have some gay feelings doesn't mean that they've really given themselves over yet to LGBTQ. It's what you do with those desires, just like what you do with your, your gender dysphoria, your gender confusion, let's say at the age of, 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 of nine, let's say, all right, maybe you're being a, a tomboy and you're a girl, or maybe you have some feminine stuff going on and you're a boy. 
and, and, and what the culture now is saying is, is you need to feed into that alternate reality. You need to assume that as your new identity. You need to promote that and publicize that. And, and, and when you do, you have this team of people, son, who don't love the person who's doing it. They don't love them at all. They're trying to use them. And, and one, one sure sign that they don't love them is let a transgender person decide they want to detransition and go back. Oh, my goodness. All their friends on social media are now gone. Nobody wants to hear that. I mean, only the Christians say, wait a minute, we need to hear that. You know, now there are others, now, to be fair, there are others than just Christians that would, you know, uh, because this is, this is broader than just a, a, a Christian issue. Um, you know, there are many people who do not yet know Christ, who um, have not yet um, fallen for this idea of, of, of transgenderism being anything but a harmful mental problem. Uh, it's a psychological problem that can lead a person uh, into deep uh, spiritual uh, issues and, and, and terrible um, physical uh, complications brought on by yourself. So, um, you know, Son, it used to be years ago that if a person said, I'm having same-sex attraction, um, they would receive some counseling, some psychological counseling. Uh, even the American Psychological Association, um, you know, not too many years ago, referred to that sort of desire as a psychological disorder. Not to say that, oh, wow, you know, this person has a scarlet letter. This is a terrible person. You know, wow, that's the worst sin or something like that. But simply to say that is not the way that, um, that you are going to have a, a healthy heterosexual relationship. And, you know, son, what many people who've left the LGBTQ lifestyle have shown is that while they didn't choose initially to have gay feelings, um, they definitely were able to choose what to do with those feelings, whether to indulge them. I mean, some of them, like Becca Cook, who has a tremendous testimony and a great uh, podcast, and, uh, you know, he is in L.A., uh, just a very, very, um, you know, well-spoken, compassionate uh, Christian who lived the gay lifestyle for years and just, just you know, was was all in. Uh, but but then he talks about his conversion. You know, it's interesting. He said, you know, one time they were he and a few of his friends, I guess, were at a coffee shop in West Hollywood, and they noticed these people over this table sitting down, and they had like these Bibles open. He thought that was so bizarre. He'd never seen anything like that. You know, why would they be sitting there with Bibles open? So anyway, it piqued his curiosity. And he ended up going over the table and he, and he kind of asked him what was going on. And they, they all had kind of a cordial little talk. I mean, you know, as you would hope they would, and it was. And they actually invited him to come to church at their church, you know, and he decided to go. And uh, he was sitting there and he tells in his testimony how, um, I, think it was, I think it was after the message, I think uh, maybe the, the pastor had given like an altar call. Um, and Beckett Cook said he was just sitting there in his chair. And he's like, he just describes like, you know, the Holy Spirit just uh, falling on him. Uh, by the way, I didn't make a very good sound. Uh, a very, uh, um, see if you could do better than me, son. The, the, the sound of, of like the Holy Spirit falling. Can you do better than me? That was, that was pretty weak. I don't know. I don't know. I, I think that was pretty better, better than what I could possibly do. Okay, okay, okay. Well, you know, the, the main thing is, um, not the sound, but the main thing is, um, that God fell upon him and, and he just began to weep 
And, and he describes how he just knew from that moment on, he was never going to live, you know, the gay lifestyle again. Now, I mean, he wasn't like saying, oh, well, I'll never again be tempted or anything like that. Cause, uh, but, but I don't even know that, you know, he really is even tempted anymore uh, toward that. I mean, not that a person couldn't, you know, couldn't be, uh, you know, it's possible. Certainly. I mean, you know, Christians can be tempted, especially with things that they've, they've indulged prior in life or prior to becoming a Christian. But anyway, but he was just so radically changed. Uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you know, through faith in Jesus. And now he's just a very winsome, eloquent, um, just calm voice, uh, but also compassionate. You know, he, he certainly can relate to people who are in the LGBTQ life. Um, he was there and he knows that that doesn't make you a bigger sinner or anything like that. Um, but it is a different uh, kind of desire than most people have. You know, um, it is a different kind of desire. And, and what's really sad today among young people is that if they express any gender confusion or any LGBTQ thoughts, um, you've got plenty of people online that try to push them and steer them and bring them into the life, you know, into the life, uh, the life that Becca Cook was in, uh, Becca Cook was in. Um, and, uh, and that's tragic. And, and uh, you know, it points to why kids need a strong family, why they need a parental uh help and direction um and uh but yeah you you said it son self is what um i think people are trying to prop up when they don't have christ living in them and and so that's why i can't even fathom son how hard it would be for like these celebrities you know i mean i mean think about it if you're not born again okay you're already going to be prone to think you're 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 just amazing i mean that's just our human nature but then you got everybody telling you you are. You got everybody wanting to take your picture. You got people paying thousands of dollars for photographs of you. And it's like, man, I really, I really am the thing. You know, it really is about me. So I don't know where Harry and Meghan come down and all that in terms of their own internal views of themselves. But um, at the end of the day, whether you're a celebrity or like the vast majority of us, 99.9% of us who are, you know, just living you know, very ordinary lives compared to the royal family. Um, you know, it really just boils down to, um, you know, where, where do I find my, my joy and my satisfaction? Um, is it in Christ and him alone? Or is it in what other people say about me? Uh, and, and, and this is where the one more thing I'll say, son, this is why people whose lives are built on self-esteem are very touchy. Um, people whose lives are built on very, uh, self-esteem are very insecure very insecure. You know, Christ helps a person. Um, uh, and I'm not saying there aren't other people who, who don't worry what other people say. In fact, Rain Wilson even said over the years, he's, he's gone through a lot of stuff, but he doesn't care anymore what people think. And, and I think that's a commendable trait. But I would say Christ helps us um, to not be driven by what other people think. But self-esteem as, as your God, if you make that your God, um, which is kind of man's default God, really, uh, especially in our culture today, um, for a lot of people, if you make self-esteem your God, um, you just watch how you respond when somebody criticizes you. You know, maybe they, they write a negative Facebook post about you or something. Or, or, and, and human nature does not handle that well at all. And, and, and we see extreme cases out on the highway, uh, you know, with uh, road rage. And, and uh, so sometimes we see um, uh, maybe we would call a social media rage. You know, where, where somebody says something and then it goes back and forth. And before you know it, I mean, lately, I don't know if you've seen it, Tom, but they're just seeing all, I mean, more and more, they, they got all these, you know, videos popping up 
there was a brawl at this sports event, a brawl at that sports event. It's crazy. And, you know, everybody with their phones now, maybe, maybe, maybe those fights were going on back in the seventies, but you know, they just weren't being filmed. Now it's like people grab their phone and oh, in airports and on airplanes. And I mean, all this stuff. But I suppose, again, it's just because everybody's got their phone. Everybody's probably trying to sell that video to TMZ or whoever, you know? And uh, so the minute something crazy breaks out, um, it's going to most likely be caught if there's anybody around to, to get it. So, uh, I, I guess I'll answer my own question. Um, you know, maybe there aren't more fights than there were, uh, you know, before, but, um, uh, now everybody's got a phone and, uh, and, and so that's, uh, uh, you know, that's why I think we're seeing so much of it, uh, so much of it film, you know, I think, uh, society is getting worse. People are getting more evil. And so you're starting to see more fights because we're moving away from God and into more of a worldly society. Um, you mentioned the fights and the games and stuff. One of the things that I found interesting recently, the Dodgers, they used to do faith and family night. I looked up. I couldn't find anything. The only thing I could find online affiliated with faith and family night and Dodgers is the Oklahoma City Dodgers, which is the AAA minor league team of the Los Angeles Dodgers, the parent club. So L.A. Dodgers, no faith and family night that I could see. Uh, Clayton Kershaw obviously is a big Christian, you know, play, pitches for the Dodgers. Um, and he's, you know, done a lot of things with the church in Los Angeles, being uh, associated with the Dodgers. But recently they came out and said they were going to partner with a radical LGBT activist group, I guess. And I guess this group, um, like, mocks Christianity. I guess the, there was a big anti I guess there's a big anti-Catholic bigotry that goes on with these people. It's the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Uh, they're queer and trans, and they dress as nuns. And the Dodgers were going to award them with a Community Hero Award during Pride Month. But then um, I guess there was such a blowback that the Dodgers have since dropped it. But this group apparently formed on Easter Sunday in 1979. Um, they do a lot of left-wing protests uh, they dress up in mock nun outfits to advocate for like anti-Catholic messaging, including like abortion. Um, but why would somebody like the Dodgers want to team up with a group like this and offer them up a community hero award? I mean, you know, we saw with Bud Light, you know, you got to know who your audience is. Bud Light is still continuing to tank. And now it's to the point where Bud Light is going to try to print like patriotic symbols and camouflage and stuff on their cans to try to win people back. But it's like what in the world of the Dodgers thinking or any team for that matter that is going to present a community hero award to something that is so anti, in this case, I guess Catholic, but anti-Christian, anti-religion and expect people to show up and want to uh, celebrate this. Yeah. You know what it makes me think of son, you know, in the Bible, Christians are told to test the spirit. So, you know, rather than just accepting any ideology that comes along or anybody's doctrine, um, we're supposed to test what's being taught or being promoted with God's word. And, and we're supposed to be discerning. And, you know, I think what we, what we see in the culture with some of these corporations and some of these uh, sports teams is, is, is that, um, they're, they're not grounded in the gospel, which is the only thing that can really protect us from the spirit of the world. 
Um, you know, if, if you're not grounded in the gospel, um, you're, you're going to tend to, to go that direction. You know, it's, it's no surprise to me that the Mormon church has started to show some real sympathies with LGBTQ um, ideology because the Mormon church does not have the gospel. Um, it, it's no surprise to me that the, um, the progressive denominations that are, uh, you know, like uh, part of, you know, Methodist, Lutheran, Presbyterian, um, you, 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 you've got, you have got um, conservative denominations within the, the, the Lutheran, Presbyterian, and Methodist, and you've got progressive ones. And, and it's the progressive ones that have adopted the spirit of the world. I mean, right now you've got all sorts of stuff happening in America with Methodist churches leaving, congregations leaving uh, the United Methodist Church over this very issue. Um, you know, the, the same thing that happened with the ELCA, the largest Lutheran church body in, in America a number of years ago. Uh, and, and, and you've got the same with uh, the Presbyterian Church USA. So you, you've got not only corporations and sports teams that, that can't seem uh, to be able to land on the side of uh, the, the truth on, on just something as simple as gender, and uh and sexuality but you have even churches so you know the the church thing should be especially shocking to us in, in many ways son it, it, i guess it shouldn't really surprise us when the world behaves like the world but when those who profess christ and that's the key profess christ um uh when when they adopt the the ideology of the world you, you you're left scratching your head saying wait a minute you know, there's a disconnect here. Um, Jesus never taught that. I mean, you know, let's just take sexuality. I mean, Jesus didn't lower the bar. He raised the bar. Okay. So in the Old Testament, um, the commandment was thou shalt not commit adultery. Jesus comes along and says, if you look at a woman lustfully, you've committed adultery with her in your heart. So it raises the bar to a high standard of how God wants us to live. And, and, and it identifies um, lust as being sin, not not only the act itself, but but even lust. Now, lest anybody be tricked by the devil into thinking, well, hey, if I've lusted, I might as well do it. You know, I've already sinned. Um, well, that's one of the devil's lies. Um, the, the the consequences of, um, of of actually engaging uh, in in fornication or adultery or, or homosexual behavior, the the consequences of that are going to be significantly worse than if you lusted for that. Now, lusting has its own consequences as a sin, its own damaging effect, um, and it can lead to the other. And, and, and this is why Jesus said, don't do it, um, because it's dangerous. It, it wraps itself around your mind like this uh, boa constrictor did here in our community, um, oh, maybe seven years ago. Uh, there was uh, somebody who had a pet boa constrictor was showing it to a neighbor and, and uh, the snake wrapped itself around uh, one of those individuals and, and suffocated him to death. Well, that's what sin does. So I wrote an article one time uh, years ago, and I really used that story uh, as, as the, the lead into that article. And it was titled, Kill Your Sin Before It Kills You. Kill Your Sin Before It Kills You. And, and so think about how many people, and we all can relate to this. Um, but how many people, you know, look back, son, and say, if only I had put that thing to death, if only I had, you know, stopped when, you know, I still could have or whatever. So 
Yeah. Why, why would the LA Dodgers do that? Well, um, why would Bud Light do that? Because it's the spirit of the world. They don't know any better. Um, and they naively think it's going to help sales. Well, uh, maybe with some people will, but obviously, like you pointed out with Bud Light, it's, it's really done a number. I, I don't think they've hit 30% yet in terms of lost sales, but I think it, uh, it, it was getting close to 25% here uh, just very, very recently. So that's the deal. Test the spirit. Um, is it the spirit of the Lord that is promoting that thing, or is it the spirit of the world? And what's crazy is how many people today cannot even discern something as simple as, as two genders, male and female. And, 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 you know, there were all these people that wanted to just shout from the rooftops about science, science, science when it came to COVID. But then transgenderism just blew up on the scene, you know, uh, and uh, it's like all these people who are claiming science, it's like, oh, no, you know. Um, that they, we're not going to, we're not going to focus on biology here. Um, we, we, we need to focus on what people really want for themselves. So yeah, go, go figure, but that's the nature of sin, isn't it? It is. And when you've got people that are influencers, like we talk about, you know, they come out and okay. So only London, for example, I think that's how you say his name was a, a guy that was kind of battling with this gender transformation type thing. And he noticed on TikTok that people that would do stuff, like put makeup on or whatever, guys, were getting likes. So he tried to do something like that. And he got some likes. He got some popularity. Then he went a little bit further and put some more makeup, maybe a wig, got more likes, got more, 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 and it's feeding this lust of self. And so that drove him to then, you know, completely go through his, uh, his change, you know, being tra- transgender. And he got all the love in the world that he could possibly imagine through social media um, from all these supporters. Then, I guess, whatever, he decided he wanted to change back. And all that support went away. Now they all became haters, and he was vilified just based on a decision of his lifestyle that he wanted to do. Um, so, again, the influencers. I remember one time, I think it was Hillary Clinton that said something that, you know, to the effect of Christians in America must deny their faith or change their faith or whatever it is, because, you know, you can't have religion dictate what the world's going to be like. You know, we have to control it ourselves. We have to have rights to abortion and all this stuff. And then you get other people. I mean, you mentioned Rain Wilson earlier, but you mentioned other people out there um, who are really predominant as far as influencers and what they do. And they're really, you know, anti-Christ. You look at the Grammys and that whole satanic scene that was that was there for whatever reason with the performers, with this non-binary guy or whatever. And people are starting to see that more and more. And as you look at the statistical information, people claiming to be whatever, and usually it's something, you know, like trans or LGBT or, you know, pick any number of things, has increased after the influence of social media has arrived, especially TikTok. And people are starting to see others doing it. And so they want to emulate that, have that success, have that likes, have that love. And so they're following that. But what they don't realize is that what they're actually doing is hurting themselves because they're missing out. Yeah, they might get those things now. I mean, look at Joe Biden. Joe Biden's loved by the Democratic Party, right? Up until, okay, he might actually lose. We got to get rid of him. Let's try to get rid of him. And now they're going to eat their own because the lust for power by the Democratic Party itself is going to chew him up and spit him out. And that's what it's like. 
you've got these people being influenced by others that are just going to use them as a pawn in an ideology or an agenda. And then if they alter from that or deviate from that, they're going to get chewed up, spit out. And next thing you know, they're on the hated end of what they thought was at first love and compassion. And now they're hated, vile, and vitriol is being thrown at them. That's exactly right, son. And it is um, an example of just using people to achieve your own political or ideological um, agenda. It's very different than what Jesus did, who, who gave his own life for our salvation, who died on the cross for our sins because it was the only way we could be reconciled with our Father in heaven, the only way we could be born again, saved, justified, redeemed, and forgiven by, by repenting of our sins and trusting Christ to forgive us. Um, Jesus loved unconditionally, loved sacrificially, loved people, including us, um, just because God is love. But, but these progressive agendas and the people who push them, um, they, they don't love uh, these other people. They're just using them, as you say. They're, they're using the, the children who uh, they feel they can push toward um, transgenderism. And, and actually, and you start to see this word used more now, and I'm so glad it is, but what they're doing is, is they're grooming children the way that predators groom children uh, for their uh, sexual benefit uh, so that they can abuse children sexually. Uh, You have got transgender ideologues who are grooming children in the classroom, grooming children on social media, grooming children through the entertainment industry, grooming, 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 uh, but not loving at all and not understanding, you know, what, what real love is. Uh, so it's very ugly, it's evil, it's dark, it's sinister, um, but in the culture, uh, it's gone mainstream uh, by and large, although we say that, but um, it, it, it's not without its detractors as evidenced by the whole Bud Light debacle. And, and, and so we hope, Son, that there are still enough Americans um, both Christian and, and people who've yet to receive Christ, uh, but enough Americans who recognize how evil it is to groom children uh, for a transgender ideology or, or an LGBTQ ideology. Uh, oh, and, uh, you know, here in Colorado in, in the last uh, couple weeks, uh, it was reported that some parents were suing the school district because their children, I, I forget the age of the class, but they had been going to a, a program after school that had been advertised as an art club. Well, come to find out they're pushing an LGBTQ agenda during that quote unquote art club. They're telling the kids, Hey, you don't have to tell your parents about, you know, what we talk about here and, and really just trying to groom them away from their parents, away from a natural uh, understanding of gender um, and, and, and grooming them in the direction of their, uh, dark and twisted ideology. So, so yes, that is going on. Um, that grooming is happening and parents better beware and they better know. Uh, and you can see why more and more parents are choosing, uh, to send their kids to a Christian school or a homeschool, uh, or at least to make sure if they are sending them to a public school that they know who, who the teachers are. They know what's being taught. Um, they know what's involved, but just think about that, son. I mean, an after-school club 
labeled as an art club. And, and by the way, they, these people, they know that, that, that those who um, maybe have a more of the artistic uh, kinds of interests, that many times they know that is a very fertile uh, ground for planting the seeds of transgenderism and LGBTQ. Because um, many times people, uh, you know, who are, let's say, more um, artsy than, than more uh, like an engineer, for example, or, or uh, you know, sometimes scientific, they might be more analytical uh, but, but the artsy kind of person with the, the gifts in, in music and drama and art, you know, they, by and large, may, may tend to be a little more emotional. And this is where transgenderism, just like the LGBTQ ideology, it seeks to get a foothold. It's always about emotion. It's always trying to push, you know, well, you know, you can't, um, you can't tell somebody they can't do this and that would be infringing on who they are. And again, it all goes back to the gospel of self-esteem. You know, if it violates the gospel of self-esteem, which is you get to call the shots for yourself, you are the highest uh, on the on the the rung there, the highest rung on the ladder, um, and 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 there's there's no room for God in in uh, self-esteem uh, ideology, no room for Christ because self is on the throne, and and when Christianity comes into the picture, um, it replaces self with Christ, and that's why uh, Jesus is hated. Um, by man's sinful nature, he's hated, he's rejected. He was when he walked on earth, and he still is today. Um, and many people don't realize why they have this strong distaste for Jesus, but it's because um, what, 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 what he calls you to do, if you're going to be his disciple, is, is to um, have self dethroned and Christ put on the throne. He becomes the king of your life. And, and, and you know, that's a threat. You know, it, it, the same thing goes on in, you know, China and North Korea and these countries that are ruled by, um, you know, communist uh, leaders or dictators um, and governments, they don't want to lose power. They don't want to lose control. We certainly see enough of that here in America um, with, with, with people who have even, um, you know, weaponized, uh, you know, uh, departments uh, in our own federal government um, for political purposes. It's the same sort of thing. We can't lose power. So we need to weaponize the, the FBI or the Department of Justice or whatever the case might be. We have to weaponize them against those who are a threat to our power. So rather than having those agencies stand for, for truth and justice, we want to use them for our own political, personal, selfish, control-driven agenda. And, and that's the flesh. Um, and, and so some people do that in the direction of transgenderism. Some people do that for their, uh, their, their, their political agenda. But, um, you know, in every case, it's about power, control, dominance, but there's no love in it. There, there's no love for the individual. There's no concern for the individual. It's, let's use the individual to achieve our purposes. And, and once we've done that, um, then forget it. And, and, you know, with all the talk about everything on the border, Son, um, you know, if, for example, um, the progressives felt that the majority of immigrants coming in and who, who will hopefully realize, you know, that conservatism is, is far better than, than this progressive agenda for their families. But if they thought that that was the case, they would be trying to shut down the border. You know, the only reason that they're for open borders is not because they care about the people. Um, they want the vote. They want the vote. Um, because if they cared about the people, they would begin with those in the womb. 
um, how can you care about people and then, you know, um, ne- neglect those in the room? Like this abortion doctor was just reported as saying in the last day or two about, about these abortions that he would perform, um, you know, right up, right up to the point of birth and, and on healthy babies. And, and I mean, just, just the most vile thing, you know, so how can you, you're going to be a politician, um, and you're going to, um, say you stand for the truth. Everything goes out the window. Um, the, the minute you promote and support abortion, because, um, these little innocent ones deserve to live. God created them. And, and don't tell me or anybody else you care about immigrants or anyone else. Um, when you don't even care about the unborn, that, that, that's the big tell right there, son. That's the big tell on whether you're dealing with somebody who cares about people. And I'm not saying in every case, I mean, that every pro-life person, uh, you know, is, is, uh, you know, uh, you know, always caring for others, but, but by and large, if you're pro-life, you're concerned for the most vulnerable among us. And then if you're pro-life and, and you're pro-immigration, then, you know, you're, 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 you're wanting the best for immigrants. Okay. Um, and, and our nation is a nation of immigrants. So, um, you know, there's, you know, immigration has, you know, a lot of good things, uh, to say for there are a lot of people that need what America can bring them. A lot of people, you know, uh, but how it gets done many times by the politicians is it's not being done for the right reason. It's being done for votes. And again, um, it's just kind of a reflection of, of, of their position on children in the womb. So, um, that tells everything about whether a person really cares about their neighbor. Um, because if you don't care about an unborn child, don't say you care about your neighbor. You know, don't say you care about your neighbor. Um, not, not if you're going to slaughter a child in the womb. Then, you know, your argument goes right out the window. Yeah, I mean, you've got these people that are promoting this, um, you know, take guns away. And they're saying we need to do it because we need to protect the children. And then they'll turn around and say we need to abort these kids. It's like... That doesn't, mm-hmm. that doesn't match up. The hypocrisy in that nullifies in all instances, except in a liberal's mind or a Satan-filled mind, if you want to put it that way, right. uh, any credibility. Right. Because in logic, in debate, in philosophy, you can't have two opposing views and have contradiction no. and have it be legit. It's always dismissed. And so, except if it's in this you know, Satan-filled mind, you can't have it. You can't, you can't say that you're a Dodger fan and then go root for the Giants. You can't say you're a Yankee right. fan and root for the Red Sox. You can't say you're a follower of Jesus and then go out there and conduct mm-hmm. yourself, or I should say support, anti-biblical things. Now, we're all going to sin, so we are going to do anti-biblical right. things. But to go out and support right. it openly and to push it, mm-hmm. it just doesn't make sense. That's it right. just logically doesn't make sense. No. Um, and so no. people have to remember that. So judging, no. Are we noticing and maybe guessing what your life is like, be the fruits of your spirit. Are they love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control? Or is it hatred, vile? Uh, is it based on anger? Is it based on, you know, tearing somebody down? Um, you know, um, a lack of a, um, a desire to preserve life, you know. Uh, you can look at it and you can see the outcome of people's lives. And if you're seeing a byproduct of somebody's life, that is a negative, that is, well, I should put it this way. If you're seeing the byproduct, because I guess negativity can be, uh, you know, interpreted in many ways, but if you're seeing the byproduct of somebody's life that goes directly against what the Bible says, 
then it's safe to say that, you know, Satan's talking in their ear and on their shoulder and guiding them away from what Christ is saying. And maybe they're not living that spiritual life. Maybe they're not living that Christian life as if they should. And uh, then maybe it's time to start praying for those people because, um, you know, the end is near. No man knows the time when Jesus is going to come again. It's not promised that tomorrow is going to happen. And time is getting short, I feel. But you're starting to see, and I think that we can exchange that whole, oh, you can't judge argument to, no, I'm not judging, but I can clearly see that the fruit is spoiled. Therefore, I'm not going to eat it. I'm going to toss it out. I can see the fruits of this person and see that it's spoiled, and maybe I need to act accordingly. Because I think it's two things. You can take a stance on a national level, like abortion, and be like, no, it's wrong. You can approach somebody who is or has had an abortion. You can be anti-LGBT, but you can be friends with somebody who is LGBT, and you can love them, and you can you know be friends with them, and you can you know witness them, and you can do all this stuff as an individual basis, not necessarily accepting what they're doing, but you can accept them as the person, just as Jesus did. And when you bring up that what would Jesus do scenario, well, Jesus, he didn't tolerate them. He told them to go sin no more. So he even there told us that the lifestyle that these people were living was wrong, was bad. And even though we can't, like Christ, tell them to go sin no more, we can definitely pray for them and try to witness them and be an example to them. But yet we can still have the conscience and the the truth behind us to make a stand on a national level, on a political level, on an ideology, whatever you want to call it, to make a stand being firm in biblical truth to push back on some of these things while yet still loving the person that might be committing this thing, these things. That's, that's exactly right, Son. And that's what we're called to do, isn't it? Um, we are called to love people regardless of what they're doing. And that's how Jesus loved us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible says that's how God demonstrates his own love for us in this. And so that is the, the call that we have. Uh, the Bible says we love because he first loved us. And you know, thankfully, God didn't wait for us to get our act together before he loved us, before he forgave us. Um, but when we repented of our sin and trusted Christ, the Savior, he forgave us, and he'll do that for anyone. You know, whoever is thirsty, let him come. Whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. And and Jesus' first sermon was repent and believe the good news. So uh, God wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Uh, the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And, you know, uh, that's, uh, that's what we are called to do and, and we're blessed to do. So uh, our work is cut out for us. And uh, like you said, Son, it does kind of seem like time is short because uh, the way the world is going, the way America is going, um, it kind of seems like we're spiraling uh, downward. And um, we need revival. We need the Holy Spirit to bring many people to faith in Christ. And uh, we just need people to, to turn to the Lord. And, and uh, when they do, you know, uh, in fact, the Bible says, whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is lifted. So all of that spiritual blindness that a person had, whether they're Jew or Gentile, um, it, it all starts to become clear uh, through the uh, illumination of the Holy Spirit. But, but you've got to come to Christ as a sinner. You've got to come to the cross. You've got to repent and believe the good news and, and uh, believe that Christ died for you and shed his blood for you. And, and, you know, a simple prayer. Any of the listeners today, son, you know, could just simply pray as they turn to God in repentance. It's just, wash me, Jesus, with your precious blood. Uh, wash me, Jesus, with your precious blood. So um, that's, uh, that's just uh, a beautiful, beautiful 
uh, offer that God makes. Um, it lasts forever once you accept it. Um, you, you get to go to heaven when you die. You get to have the peace of Christ in your heart in this life, and there's nothing like that. Um, and, and, and you know, there's a there is such a, an epidemic today, son, uh, a mental health epidemic. Um, so many people are suicidal. So many young people. You know, all of these ideologies that they've been fed in the in the public schools have done nothing but depress people. Um, and and the only thing that can lift man's spirit is the gospel, ultimately, because everything else will fail you in the end, but only Christ. And so you're better off coming to him today, uh, immediately. Um, today is the day of salvation. We're not promised tomorrow. And, and so I would encourage you to do that today, my friend, if you haven't already, just to put your faith in Christ, just to ask Jesus to forgive you, to trust in his cross for your forgiveness. And, and when you do that, you'll be... Uh, You'll be in God's family uh, today, tomorrow, and forever, and and you'll be motivated to want to live for the Lord because He died for you. And so it's a it's a beautiful way to live. And I I really uh, hope uh, that if you're not on that narrow road, that today you will get onto the narrow road. You'll come to Christ uh, sincerely, and and He'll do the rest. But um, the Bible says, "Come near to God, and He will come near to you." Dan Delzell with us as we discuss the things that go on in this world through a biblical perspective, sitting at the crossroads of faith and pop culture. And Dan, you can, uh, I guess for those that want to know more, you can actually go to the ChristianPost.com and just search his name, Dan Delzell, D-E-L-Z-E-L-L, and a lot of his articles pop up. Um, you can also, uh, you know, hear our past podcasts, which I'll tell you how you can find those in a moment. But um, again, if you're wanting to know more, you can reach out. I know Dan would be willing to talk to you. He'd be willing to, uh, you know, maybe exchange some emails. Um, our email address is sanctifiedreasonpodcast at gmail.com. That's sanctifiedreasonpodcast at gmail.com. And um, send us an email, and Dan will see that, and he'll be able to uh, get it back to you as well as far as the comment and stuff goes. But, uh, Dan, we appreciate your time as always, and we uh, thank you for uh, sharing your insights with us and look forward to many more of these conversations. Well, thank you so much as well, Son. I, I've really enjoyed, uh, once again, our time together here in the podcast. And um, we just uh, hope and pray that every listener is, is blessed by these words today. And like you said, Son, I, they can reach out to us anytime. So uh, I'll look forward to our, our next time together. And uh, I know we're going to continue to tackle a lot of these important uh, subjects that are uh, in our culture today. And like I mentioned, if you want to read more, uh, christianpost.com and just search in that magnifying glass search icon uh, dan delzell d-e-l-z-e-l-l you can also go to our website radiowarp.com that's radio w-a-r-p radiowarp.com click on the sanctified reason podcast logo and all of our past shows pop up as well so you can find out uh, or listen to more podcasts of uh, of us on different subjects that uh, go on in this world so again Dan, thanks so much. We appreciate it. And for those of you listening, hey, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend. And until next time, God bless.